I've got this message. Okay. And I have no idea how it's going to come across. But I got it. I've worked on it this week. I started working on it last week. And uh, it's no message of depth. And you might say, well, you don't preach them anyway. Okay, but it's, it's, it's no message, message of depth, but simple, plain truth. How many of you want to hear that? Simple, plain truth. And I'm going to try, Don. I'm, I'm going to try, but you might say you can end now, okay? But uh, if you would turn with me to the book of Judges, and I'm going to start off in the book of Judges in about the sixth chapter, and I'm going to get into some things. And then at the end of this service, the, the message, we're going to do some things. God is in this place. And there is a word that has been given to some of us that God is doing a purging and then after the purging comes the fruition of the blessing. And I'm, I'm standing on that word and I've been standing on that word now for the past six, eight months or more. Or more maybe. It is not easy to see God start to purge. But in order for the blessing to come that he wants to bring, there's a purging that takes place. And you and I right now are saying, God, where are you leading us? And here's what God says to me, and I wrote it down. I have a plan, now trust me. That's what he told me. He said, I have a plan, now trust me. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust him. And I want you to write that down because I want you to understand that God's got a plan, not trust it. And I'm like Job just a little bit, you know, and I'm thinking, why are certain things happening to me? And God doesn't answer me that, just like he didn't answer Job. But he starts to show me things that he's done in my life that's, that, that humbles me. And that's what he'll do. So I'm just, this is just a simple message and it might not even bring you victory or anything of that nature but it brought me some kind of peace for some reason okay here we go in judges the sixth chapter and we're going to be looking at gideon when i read this i thought of jeff heath i did i'm going to be honest with you i thought of of uh, jeff i thought about God has touched his life and has just done a total miraculous thing. And, and uh, I'm sure that he's struggled in some things. When, when, I, when I read this, I thought of Matt Dudley. And I thought about what God's doing in his life. And he struggled in some things about his own identity. And no, God didn't show me any of you women. I'm sorry, you know, that he didn't. I I'm going to be honest, but I know that you struggle too, you know, and he showed me these two men. And I'm looking at this, and, and I'm reading this, and, and I look at this. And the angel of the Lord, verse 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, this is Gideon, O valiant warrior, the Lord is with you, O 
valiant warrior. See what he says. And Gideon said unto him, unto the Lord, If the Lord is with me, why then has all this happened to us? Now notice he doesn't say, that's happened to me. You notice that? Does that, does that? Why didn't he say, then how come all this has happened to me? If the Lord, now look what he says. He said, if the Lord is with me, right? If the Lord is, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? He, he's not thinking of himself. And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of the Midian. Midian. And the Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Now listen to what he says. And he said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. That's what he said. He's looking at that. And when you look at that, you cannot find fault with Gideon. And you know what Gideon is saying there? He's saying, you know, I'm just really sick and tired of what you all are telling me about what happened yesterday. And that's what he's saying. Where are the miracles now? Where is the deliverance right now? We need deliverance and we need miracles and you are going to use me? My tribe is the least of all the tribes. And I'm the youngest in my father's house. And the Lord said, go in that strength. Go in the strength that you have. And it wasn't like, praise God. It wasn't like, oh, God's here. It was like, he was angry. And he was upset. So the Lord said, why don't you take the anger and turn it against your adversary? Go in that strength. Some of you have some anger inside of you, and, and I used to. And the Lord's saying, you know, why don't you just take that and become violent? And why don't you take that and put that in your prayer? And instead of being violent towards men, why don't you become violent towards Satan and everything that he's involved in? And you would be a mighty warrior. And so Gideon gets up at night and he tears down all the high altars of Baal. And in the morning, when they see the altars of Baal torn down, then they're going to come, they want to kill Gideon. Now, listen to me. We're talking about Jewish people want to kill Gideon because he's torn down 
the walls of Baal, the altars of Baal. Isn't that amazing? Do you know that 95% of all Israelites right now are atheists? How many of you knew that? How many of you know that Israel itself is so liberal that it makes the United States in a, as a whole look conservative? Now, you didn't know that about Israel? They are so far out there because they have went after every kind of God there is to go after. And they are different names now. Where they used to call them Baal, now they call them abortion. Where they used to call them Baal, they call alternative lifestyles. they got names now, but it's still the same type of reasoning. So evidently, there must have been something that took place in Gideon that they all noticed. Because when they get up in the morning and they go after whoever tore the altars down, they go to Gideon's dad's house. Now, I'm going to read you a scripture verse. I love this scripture verse. Go with me to the uh, 31st, 31st verse. But Joash, that's his father, said to all who stood against him, Will you contend for Baal? Or will you deliver him? Who will plead for him? Shall he be put to death by in, in the morning? If he is a god, let him contend for himself because someone has torn down his altar. Now listen to what he's saying there. Why do you have to fight for Baal? If Baal is a god, let him fight for himself. This is just a kid. And you, you, you have to contend for Baal. Well, if Baal is God, then let him contend for himself. Let him do something. Because we're going to get into Elijah in just a little bit. I'm going to read you some things. Moses goes before Pharaoh. This is interesting. I got a lot of stuff here, and you don't want me to read it all. This is cool stuff, I'm telling you. I didn't write it. Got it off the internet. Doris got it for me off the internet. I was telling her about it, and she found this for me. This is cool stuff. This is cool. This is good stuff. I went in there, and I said to her, I said, this is some pretty interesting stuff that I didn't know, and I should have known, but I didn't know. Okay? And so then I started asking different people, and they didn't know either, so that made me feel better. You know? I asked some people that I thought had a lot of knowledge, and, and they said, well, I didn't know that. And I thought, okay. Made me feel a whole lot better. Because a lot of times I might, you know, I'll be talking to Doris or I'll be talking to Nancy or I'll be talking to somebody. And I'll, I'll, I'll say something that I just got to. And they say, well, we knew that. So, oh, golly. Just how many of you know that did just kill you right there? Well, I knew that. Okay. Well, I didn't. I'm 69. I probably should have known that when I was 29. But I didn't, you know. So I come up with this. And they said, well, I didn't know that. 
So if you knew it, keep it to yourself. Because I'm kind of just basking in this, that I got something nobody else knows. Okay. So I, I'm glad Elijah Rowland is not here. And the reason why I'm glad Elijah Rowland is not here, because Elijah is in my school, and he is a 10th grader, and he hates it when you pronounce a name wrong, doesn't he? So just to make him crazy, I'll pronounce names wrong. And he just, he just, he just goes crazy. But Pastor, I don't think that you're saying that right. You know, challenges me all the time. So I'm not going to say these names right. And if he was here, he would be correcting me, you know. And then I had to pistol whip him. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, did we get that on Facebook? She's deleting that. She went right up there and deleted that. So this, 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 is, this is pretty neat. Moses goes before Pharaoh. And the first thing that Moses does is that he turns the Nile River into blood. Right? You knew that, didn't you? I hope you did. You knew that part. You knew that from Sunday school. All right. So he turns the Nile River into blood. Well, see, see, the Egyptians had a god, and his name was H-A-P-I. I'm going to say, I'm going to call it Happy. Now, I know it's not Happy, but H-A-P-I, don't that sound like he should be Happy God? And it actually, what is Hey-Pi? When you, when you get the diacritical remarks, it's, it's hey, pie. But I'm, I'm going to call him happy. Okay? And he was the God or the spirit of the Nile because the Egyptians said the bloodstream of Egypt was in the Nile River. And Jehovah turns the Nile into blood. And their happy God couldn't do anything about it. Isn't that amazing? So Pharaoh had to ask Moses to turn to his God. Because happy or happy couldn't contend for himself. How many of you getting a hold of that? He couldn't contend for himself like we found in the book of Judges. So now we have God brought this plague of frogs. And it was a female God. And the frogs were related to fertility. And her name, now listen to her name. I, her name was H-E-Q-T. He quit. But also happy was with her so you have happy and he quit red skeleton already knew that remember the seagulls what was that he cliff he cliff and whatever her name was you know gertrude he cliff and gertrude ed sullivan knew all about these gods right here okay and and the frog god was the egyptian god of fertility but when Moses, through Jehovah, goes in and multiplies all these frogs, and they were everywhere, Gertrude and Heathcliff couldn't contend. And so they had to call on Jehovah. How many of you got that? 
And then the next one that we got is lice. Why in the world would you have a God for lice? But then the third plague is God, is lice. And this God's name is S-E-B, Seb. Okay? And he is the earth God of Egypt. That he himself can contend with these insects when they needed to be taken away. But as we know, Jehovah brings in all of the lice. And their God, Seb, could not contend for himself. So they had to call on Jehovah. It's amazing. So now we come to another God that they had. You know, these people were insane, these Egyptians. Because they had the flies come in next. And they have a God for the flies. And it's spelled U-A-T-C-H-I-T. And I'm going to call it You Touch a Hit. Okay. Why are you laughing? You don't know that, right? You know I'm not right because I put the word ain't in there. I didn't say that's not right. I said that ain't right, and she didn't even correct me. This lice, and this was the earth god of Egypt. And he was to be able to come in and also regulate parasites and lice and things of that nature. But in this case, Jehovah points his finger at the lice and the insects, and he takes control of them to a point where no God can contend. And so once again, they have to call on Jehovah to end the plague. Now we have another God. And the, this was more like Hinduism, but the, the gods there, they, they, they believed in the cow and the bull as being sacred. And so God brings disease on the cattle. And it affects the livestock and destroys them. And this Egyptian or Egyptian gods, because there's more of them, and I can't think of many crazy names for them, okay? But there is one, his name, the big guy, his name is called A-M-O-N, Amon, okay? And he sees, and, and they believe that there is, that these cows and these bulls are sacred. And so God just brings disease against the cattle. And once again, their God can't deliver, and they have to call on Jehovah. It's amazing. All right. Why can't these gods contend for themselves? And then number seven, he brings in the hail. And this one, now get right. I like it. Now listen, this God's name is N-U-T, Nut. So they have a nut god. How about that? That is a perfect name for that god. He is a nut job, okay? I mean, a nut god. All right, so, so we have the disease, uh, uh, I mean, the hail. And when we have this hail, then they cannot stop the hail. And the hail is actually ruining everything, okay? And so they, they call on this goddess, and she can't stop it. And listen what she is. She is the god of the atmosphere. 
who can control all these things. And she can't control, and so therefore they have to call on God, Jehovah, who created it all to take control of the atmosphere. And it kind of, kind of got them out of order because also then we come to the God of the boils. And this is the Egyptian God who comes against epidemics so that the Egyptians don't get disease. And here's an interesting thing about this. And that, that was their God of healing. And, and the Egyptians didn't get diseases. That's, that's the interesting thing about that. They were a very, very healthy people because they lived in a very, very, very fertile land and they understood those things. So when these boils and these things happen, they call on their healing God and guess what she does? She cannot answer them. She cannot contend for herself. So they have to call Jehovah and Jehovah comes in and, and, and he heals their body, the great I am. Okay, so then we, we go to the locusts. This is a pretty good one, okay, the locusts. And, and see, here, here's something about the locusts. God loves to use locusts. He used locusts more than he used anything else. And he's the one in, in the book of Joel that said he was going to bring the locusts in and they was going to destroy. And then he would, he would fix what they destroyed. So he brings in the locusts. And the locust is the protector of deity. That name is so long there that I can't get even a funny out of it. Okay, the locust, and and he is the he is the deity deity protector of the locust. Okay, from the locust. I'm sorry, and they call on this locust god, and he cannot contend for himself. So they call Jehovah who delivers them now here's the here's the ninth one next they call in the dark and god brings the darkness okay and this this darkness there there's two gods of darkness and one is a-t-e-n 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 and the next next one is h-o-r-u-s or horse us Horse. I'm going to call him horse, okay? Remember when you was in school and they said, if you don't know a word, just say horse. You know, and I was saying such and such horse. You don't, don't remember that? Man, I went to Elwood. Okay, all right. So we're, we're going to call this guy horse, okay? And this horse guy, he does not, he, he cannot come, and he is a sun god. So they have a sun god. And, they, and, and one thing I've kind of left out, remember they called in all their magicians and their soothsayers and they'd, they'd wail before and they'd cry and they'd do different things. And at one time they even doubled the plague, dear land. They're trying to get rid of it and they doubled it. Remember that? I mean, God's got them all messed up and now they're crying out on their son, God, bring us light, bring us light, bring us light. And they can't do it. He can't do it because he can't contend for himself. And because he can't contend for himself, they have to bring in Jehovah. Okay. Now, here's the last one. The last one is the death of the firstborn. I want you to listen to this, okay? Because what God does with the death of the firstborn or the tenth plague, he destroys first the line of lineage. Instead of destroying Pharaoh, he destroys first the line of lineage that will take Pharaoh's place. And then after he destroys the one who's going to take Pharaoh's place, then he destroys Pharaoh. 
And then not only does he, God then destroy Pharaoh, but he destroys the army of Pharaoh. Now here's what you need to understand. Out of all of the gods that we have just spoken about for the Egyptians, Pharaoh was the number one god. Nobody contended with Pharaoh because everyone thought Pharaoh was the highest deity of order with the Egyptians. So now what God comes in to do, he said, now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to destroy your line of lineage so there's never none, none like you again going to sit on that throne. And then I'm going to parade you down through the streets and I am going to show not only the Israelites, but the Egyptian nation itself, you are not a god. And you cannot contend for yourself. How many of you get that? When MacArthur goes into Japan, here's what he did because the Japanese felt like the emperor, or they were always led to believe that the emperor was God. And when MacArthur goes in after Japan has surrendered, he did what Jesus did to the devil. We studied this on Wednesday night. It was pretty good. He did what Jesus did to the devil. MacArthur went in there and got that emperor, and he paraded him right down through the main cities of Japan so that they would see that emperor is not a god, and he can't contend for himself. And what Jesus did through the resurrection is that he went in and he destroyed hell itself and there was not a devil that could contend with him. There was not a God that could contend with Jesus. Now listen to me. If Christ is in you and me, the hope of glory, get a hold of it. There is not a God that has a name outside of God himself that can contend with even you, let alone his son. Somebody say amen to that. And Elijah meets on Mount Carmel. And he says, bring in the prophets of Baal. And bring in the prophets of the grove. And bring in all of Israel to witness this thing. For you this day will see who God is. And they resurrected an altar. And they put on that altar a lamb. And whoever was God was going to come down and strike the lamb. The slain lamb. And Elijah said, you go first. And the prophets of Baal went first. Now here, get a hold of this. Baal was not only the god of fertility, but he was the god of lightning and thunder. He was the god of the atmosphere. He was the god of the weather. 
and the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the grove, there were not 450. There was 850. There was 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the grove. And they had come. And there they are. And they call on their God all day long into the evening. They cut themselves. They cried out to him. They threw themselves on the altar. They destroyed the altar. They would have to resurrect up the altar. And the heavens were silent. And then it came Elijah's turn. He said, pour water on the offering. He said, dig a trench. And they dug a trench. He said, pour water on the offering. And they poured water on the offering. He said, do it again. That's not enough. And they did. He said, do it again. Until the trench that was dug around it was filled up until where the offering, the lamb, was just saturated with water, where the wood and the stone was saturated with water. And all Elijah did was point to the heaven, and he said, show them who you are. And the Bible says that the lightning came down, and it consumed the lamb, it consumed the altar, and it consumed the water. Because there was no bail, he could not continue with God I didn't know where I could bring this thing to and here's where the Lord led me he said there is no other God beside me he said there is no God of lice there is no God of locusts there is no God of blood. He said there is no God of the frogs. He said there is no God of boils. He said there is no God of the cattle. He said they do not exist. They never have existed. He said I alone am the one who exists and no one can contend with who I am. Somebody say amen to that. He says the only deity that they serve is in their mind, and he's real in their mind. That's why God tells us that we need to be renewed every day by the spirit of our mind in his word. Somebody say amen to that. Listen, if you believe the lie of the devil, he became real to you. When you believe the lie of the devil through fear, that thing set in your mind and it became a God. Listen to me, there is no God that is made by man that can contend with with our Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen to that. Listen to this scripture verse. Verse 34 in Judges chapter 6. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. And he blew a trumpet. And the tribe came together and followed him. The Spirit of the Lord come upon him. And he said, now Gideon, you're going into battle. Get all your people together. And 22,000 warriors, this is where I'm coming to Hosanna. 22,000 warriors came together. And God said, Gideon, you have 
too many. Because what I'm going to do, no one's going to get glory for it but me. He has 10,000. He said, now tell people who want to go home, they can go home. And there's no consequence. You're not going to be AWOL. There's no consequence if you're afraid or you want to go home, go home. And 12,000 men left him that day. Now, I'm going to tell you, God has a plan, and Gideon has to trust it. But when 12,000 walk away, you're going, boy, I hope this is God. I look at it every day. Okay, I still got 10,000 men. He says, go down to the water. And I want you to pay attention to how they drink the water. Some men are going to get down on and lap that water like a dog. But some of them are going to get down on a knee. And here's what they're going to do. They're going to go looking around and they're going to take that water and they're going to bring it up. They're going to bring it up. He said, they're the ones you keep. He said, because they got their eye on the enemy. While they're drinking the water, they're still knowing what's going on. 9,700 men had to go home. And Gideon has 300 men here's what you need to understand he's got 300 men who trust him and who believe that makes the difference how many of you got that God is purging today not only in this church but many many other churches God is purging he will purge you. That doesn't mean you have to leave here, but that does mean he will purge you. And if he's not purging you, ask him to purge you so that there might be fruit. Because listen, it is better to have 300 who are with you and believe in the cause that you are fighting for than 22,000 people who suffer from fear. How many of you got that? Because you go into battle with 21,700 men who are afraid. That battle is already lost. How many of you know that? That battle is already lost and the 300 who believe will die with the 22,000 because they don't have strength enough to stand against the number. So what does God do? God says, get rid of the number because it's the number that's destroying the things. So he gets rid of the number. And when he does, now he has a church that is violent. He has a church that is ready to follow the command. And he has a church that's ready to be obedient to do anything that he says to do. 
Here's what he does. He takes that three. I told you it's not going to be a great in-depth sermon. And I'm coming to a close in another 14 hours. He takes that 300 men and splits them up in a group of 100. And he surrounds the Midians, the Midianites. And I'm looking at that. And he says, now what I want you to do is I want you to listen to what they're saying. Go down into the camp and listen to what they're saying. And one old boy said, I had a dream. The enemy is talking to another one of his buddies, and the Israelites are listening. And he said, I had a dream that a barley loaf rolled through this camp, and it destroyed this camp, and that barley loaf was the Lord and Gideon coming down through here. And so the Lord says to them, now listen to what he says. He says, you take a hundred men over here, you take a hundred men over here, and you take a hundred men over here. Torches and pitchers, and their voice is all they need. He said, and I want you to surround the camp of the Midianites. I want you to pay attention to me, because when I give you the command, I want you to break the pitchers, and I want you to have those torches lit, and I want you to shout the sword of the Lord and Gideon. How many of you got that? And I said, why, Lord? And he said, I wanted those Midianites to see my glory. And when they surrounded that camp, those Israelites are standing there, and all of a sudden, they are already trembling with fear. And when those Israelites smash those pitchers, it gets their attention very quickly. And all of a sudden now, the torches have them surrounded and they are surrounded by a glow that would represent the Shekinah glory of the Lord. And when that glow came, can you imagine the fear that went through those Midianites when they said, And the sword of the Lord and Gideon. Listen to me, what happened was... God said, all I want you to do is stand and be my glory. He said, I will fight this battle. He said, I can contend for myself. He said, all I want from you is to stand and shout for me and let people see the glory that I have placed inside of you. He said, and the battle is won because no one can contend with me. Would you stand, please? No one can get, stand with the Lord. He destroyed Egypt and everything that Egypt stood for. He destroyed everything. 